the key here is all of these gifts unfolded organically. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to start one thing or another. I just had the intent of what comes next. So once I'd spent enough time working in the field where all the intuitive stuff is, I gained enough strength and understanding with how that felt. That's when the other door opened. Mm-hmm. But it opened without me really saying, I want to do this. I just wanted to, I wanted to do more healing work. So be careful what you ask for, because it may not look like what you think it's going to. But some of the most powerful healing work I've done is, is communicating on behalf of people living on the other side to their people living here. This is Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, with Whitney Ann Jenkins. Hello and welcome to the 67th episode of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. Julia Marie is a gifted trans-dimensional healer, intuitive medium, and experienced spiritual teacher. She founded the Academy for the Intuitive Arts in 1997, and the courses and coaching help sensitive women and men as they take the next step in unlocking their spiritual potential. Julia Marie had a series of spiritually transformative events that changed everything for her, and she tells the story of her awakening and how she learned to live guided by the voice within her book, Signals from My Soul, A Spiritual Memoir of Awakening. I had an incredible time speaking with Julia, and I am really excited to share this conversation. She has such a rich understanding of spirituality and living from the inside out. She was so generous in our conversation about sharing her story and her wisdom. And so I am really happy to introduce Julia Marie to you. Enjoy. The podcast as well. So you kind of know the drill. Yes, I do. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So where are you located? I'm in St. Louis. I'm in Nashville, so we're not too, too far away. Oh, I come to Nashville once a year. Okay, so the first question that I like to ask my guests is, especially on your trajectory of of helping people uh, navigate the internal essence of their life and, and tap into that wisdom, when is the first time that you can remember understanding that you had an inner voice of your own and you were able to follow that and cultivate that? Do you have a specific moment? I had a couple of what I would call brushes with the infinite when I was young, but nothing that was directly related to my inner voice. That really didn't come until much later in my life, in my 30s, actually, when when the awakening part happened. Yeah. What would you describe as that inner voice to you? How did you discover that? I would say it came first as a feeling. I described it literally in the beginning as the voice with a capital V because it sounded very loud and felt really large, but was quiet. Mm -hmm. So it was large and quiet at the same time, (laughs) if one had to describe it. And I now understand that it was probably my greater self or my soul or whatever you want to call it, the 
the aspect of consciousness that animates my physical that was the thing that was speaking to me or the part of the infinite consciousness that was connecting with me was my own self. So I've literally been talking to myself for 35 years, but at least now I'm having a conscious dialogue (laughs) with that part of myself as opposed to unconsciously moving through my day. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned like having a a brush with the divine when you were younger. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would love to talk about that and and sort of understand the connection between that and your inner voice. And if your upbringing allowed you the chance to tap into that, or if that was something that you really had to cultivate and discover on your own. Well, the, the brush with the divine was happened on a family move from uh, Colorado to California as we were getting ready to move overseas. It was a three-day road trip with a car full of seven children and two adults. So it was pretty chaotic, especially for a young girl. I was about, I was seven or eight at the time, who was pretty sensitive and didn't like a lot of noise. I mean, I can look back now and see that I was probably empathic didn't know it, didn't have a frame of reference for that. So uh, the family station wagon blew a tire in the foothills of California. So we'd been on the road. So everybody was tired by this point, exhausted. And you know how, when you get, when you get tired, your, your defenses come down and that gives spirit a chance. (laughs) right (laughs) make itself known to you and i believe now in retrospect that's what happened so my father piles everybody out of the car and i can't stand the noise of my my five brothers starting to wrestle and tussle so i walk away it was like a a pullout where sleepy drivers could pull off and rest it was not the road road side stops like we have today it was just a wide spot in the road so everything was dark except the stars were out and i could see the outline of the foothills like the outline of the mountains against the starry sky and something about that just kind of was hypnotic and pulled Mm -hmm. me towards it and the tussling and fighting and yelling in the back it faded away to nothing and then i'm standing in the darkness in this parking area and i became aware that i was hearing music it was like a choir it was sound voices but i wasn't hearing it with my physical ears Mm -hmm. i was hearing it with my body and it was like a choir and because i was raised catholic i would have said it was a choir of angels And they were all singing different notes, but when I listened to the whole thing, it was harmonious. Mm -hmm. But if I picked out one note or the other, they wouldn't have matched. But all together, it made this beautiful sound. And once I realized I was hearing it with my, not with my ears, I came back to myself and the sound stopped. And then my dad called us back to the pile in the car and off we go. When I describe this 
experience to a lifelong meditator when I was in my 30s. He said, people spend their whole lives trying to hear that sound. He said, you heard the sound of creation. But I didn't know that at the time. Mm. Now, could I explain, could I talk about this with my family, my parents? No. My father's very logical left brain engineer. Mm -hmm. And we were raised Catholic. And so in our household, if you couldn't see it, hear it, feel it, taste it, or touch it, it's not real. And if you are hearing stuff that's not real, then you need medication. Right. So <laughs> I just I just kept quiet about it all. And there were a couple of other things that happened. And what I learned was it was wiser to just not share what I knew and to, I actually feel like I repressed my mm -hmm. sensitivity as most young children do, unless they have a supportive household. That's a natural defense mechanism. We just shut down to survive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until my thirties that everything blew wide open again. Yeah, I can relate to yeah. that. I I grew up Catholic as well, so I, I know that whole <laughs> that, that whole thing <laughs> with with a with a scientist father also. So I it seems to be a common thread. <laughs> yes. So so when you were in your thirties, um, because you repressed that for so long, uh, what was it like for you to be able to not repress it anymore and be able to uh? Did it take you a while to feel okay with that aspect of yourself and making sense of it? Well, um, looking back, I can see that my awakening started kind of like, like the dawning of a new day in my mid to late 20s. I'm going to say I started being a little more perceptive with people. If, if I talked to a person long enough, about an hour or something, I found I just sort of knew things about them, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize it was things coming back online very slowly, but that's, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Now, am I going to talk about what's happening to me with the people around me? No. Why? Because now I'm active duty military. You talk about stuff like this to people in the military, they're probably going to put you in a small room and give you some medication. <laughs> so again, I'm in a situation where I need to be silent, but at least I wasn't repressing because now I'm curious. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say about early 31, 32, 33 is when everything really started it was right after the harmonic convergence. I can look back and see 1987 is when the switch got flipped. And by 1989, I was retired from the military, um, experiencing what I would call a series of spiritually transformative experiences, talking to invisible people that were showing up in my living room. So I went from zero to what I thought might be possibly crazy mm -hmm. yeah. in the span of a couple of years. Yeah, the the harmonic convergence, is that what you said it was? Yes. Could you explain a little bit about that, maybe to listeners who might not know of that? Well, here's the thing. 
I didn't know about it either. <laughs> it wasn't until I, until I look back, the harmonic convergence was something that turned into a worldwide phenomenon of some sort in the metaphysical or spiritual community. It had to do with a uh, cosmic alignment of all the planets in the heavens and opening a doorway to humanity's awakening and the age of Aquarius and all that good stuff. And I guess there were big global gatherings and meditations and all of that. I didn't know anything about any of that. But when I look back, I could pinpoint, oh, that's right. So there must have been some kind of doorway that opened. And I feel like there was probably a whole bunch of us that got activated at that time because it was time for our wave of awareness. It came onto the shore and it was time for us to wake up and begin to do whatever it was we came here to do. That's my suspicion. Yeah, that's really interesting because you describing the story of when you were seven or eight and hearing those voices as a harmony kind of sound and then yeah. applying it to that is, is really fascinating to mm -hmm. me. It's like a little preview of what was to come. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, whether we are conscious or not, oh, let's put it this way because I'm trying to move past polarity speak. So I'm going to say, no matter the level of our awareness, whether we're less aware or less conscious or more aware or more conscious, the universe is always meeting us where we are, inviting us to join the party and working with, with us until we do start to have that e expansion in our awareness. So yeah. I didn't know any of these things, and yet it was happening anyway, because somewhere at some level, I must have said, this is how I want my path to unfold before me. I need to know what it feels like to be completely unconscious mm -hmm. so that when I am awake again, I can relate to people that might not be. Yeah, and it seems like the military might have been sort of a stepping stone in there, too, because you had to sort of keep it under wraps in order for your survival. I yeah. believe the, the call for the military came when I was in my mid twenties. And I feel like that was when the universe was calling me to be of service, serve, serve, serve. But because my brain, my mind, my awareness was unconscious, how I interpreted that signal from my soul was to go into the service because that's kind of what I knew because my dad was in the military. Some of my other siblings were in the military. Okay, I'll go be, of, I'll go into the service. <laughs> and then the call keeps coming, keeps coming. I'm six years into the military service and all of a sudden it feels like my uniform isn't fitting. Well, what's going on here? Oh, I'm feeling I need to be of, I need to speak for people who have no voice is what I started telling myself. I need to speak for people who have no voice. Well, again, I'm still not awake. And so how I responded to that particular signal was I put myself through the hell of law school Wow! <laughs> while in the military, because that was my equivalent. That was how I interpreted be of higher service. 
Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So the universe is very patient. No, we mean service to humanity. Okay. So it took me a while to get it. And they had to use a, what I call a cosmic two by four to make, to wake me up all the way. But it just shows that the universe will keep working with you until you get where you need to go. You just keep re responding to those urges to the best of your ability and eventually you'll find your way yeah so from the time you were in law school until the time you mentioned seeing invisible people in your living room what got you to that right around the time I finished the law degree and passed the bar and was gonna go be a family law attorney that's what I was gonna do with my life it was within that same span so this was 1989 1990 um, I had what I would call a series of spiritually transformative experiences that were quite extraordinary, like there's no doubt something's happening. I had spontaneous activation of healing, so my hands started getting hot like fire, like I put them on a stove. And I had round red circles appear on my body where I later found the chakras were, but I didn't know that at the time. And they were like fire. It was like fire coming out of my body. And then the red stripe up my back. That took months to get from the bottom of my spine all the way up. And when it reached the base of my neck and went into my head, I thought my head was going to blow off. And the, the heat actually broke some blood vessels in my face. But, wow. oh, well, I'm pretty sure now that was some kind of Kundalini thing. Mm -hmm. But that with that opening came the invisible teachers that started telling me what they wanted me to know. They gave me a set of principles that turn out to be perennial wisdoms, but I didn't know that at the time. And they told me that if I lived my life according to these principles, I would achieve my own enlightenment, that I wouldn't need a physical teacher. And that's been true up until the whole mediumship started, but that was 20 years down into my road. Wow. And what are some of those principles that they shared with you? The first one is intent is everything. So it doesn't matter what we're, what choice we're making or what are, what we're doing moving forward. It's the intention with which we do it. So even if I don't understand or cannot, or, or do not feel like I can hear or, or I'm connecting with spirit, if I hold an intention that that's a desire that I have, the universe is going to respond to that. It's going to respond to my intention. So yes, people all the time say, um, for the greatest good of all concerned and that kind of stuff, that, that for the highest and greatest good, that's a great intention to have. And mine always was, especially with the healing, because I didn't, I didn't have any training in healing. So when that started happening for me, my intention was, I am, I choose to cause no harm to this person through my innocence or my ignorance. Mm -hmm. So I was very clear, any situation I got in where I didn't understand what was happening, I always made a clear statement of what my intention was. When I do mediumship, I only wish to connect with the loved ones of the person with whom I'm speaking. 
I don't want anybody else showing up. It's that kind of stuff. Okay, simple, but very powerful. Okay, so that was the very first principle. Then there's as above, so below. Um, Balance in all things. I mean, there's six of them. I won't, I won't bore you with it, but <laughs> I don't find it boring, but I just realized I, I'm, I'm listening to your story and I'm, I'm accepting like, oh yeah, like her chakras, like kind of like blew up and exploded and she was feeling all of these things. And you must've had some kind of fear and, and emotion surrounding that of like not understanding what was happening to you maybe yes. um, <laughs> because I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm used to like this subject matter and so I'm like oh yeah yeah like that makes sense like I can understand um, but the fear and the emotion and and trying to make sense of what you experienced is like a really important point of of the yes. story I think so <laughs> and yeah. I totally agree with you and I would have to say that it got to a point in in the process for me that I literally I asked for a sign because I was told by the universe the Bible and the dictionary are going to be two of your greatest teaching tools and I know they use those because I was raised Catholic so I was familiar with the Bible and things in the Bible and the dictionary well the dictionary gives you definitions of words mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised what you can learn from looking up the definition of a word that spirit gives you. (laughs) Okay. Very interesting is what I'm going to say to you. And so very early on in this process with all of this stuff happening to me, I literally, why is this, why is this happening? And I'm, I'm scared and I don't know if this is real. And do I need to go see someone and get medication? So I said, okay, God, you say in the Bible, ask and you shall receive. And I know from my legal statutory construction class that shall is mandatory. It doesn't say may or could, it says shall. So I know that if I ask the question, I will receive an answer. Okay, so I said, I know you're busy, but I think I need a sign. I need a sign that's letting me know that this is real, real, and not a figment of my imagination, that I'm not losing my mind. Now, at the time, I was working on a very complicated spiritual principle that dealt with the chakra system, and it's too long to really go into, but it was, they how it worked was they would give me a seed thought and then I would run the seed thought through those original principles that they gave me kind of like a meditation I would just have it in the back of my mind as I'm going throughout my day and then eventually I'd get an insight oh and then I would go to the local metaphysical bookstore and wait for a book to either light up or fall on the floor and then I would see what I had just gotten on my own written in the book so that's my validation process early on Well, now I'm working with a principle that I'm probably not going to find in books anywhere. And it was simple. It was the seven became three became one. And it was all about the seven chakras. And anyway, so I, it was at this point where I thought, I think I might be actually losing, losing it. Now, conveniently, my sister was living across the street from me at the time. 
and I'd been talking to her about the insights I'd been getting around this particular seed thought. And I said to her, you know, I think I might, I think I might be going crazy. And her response to me was, well, if you were, she goes, no, you're not crazy because crazy people don't think they're crazy. So because you think you might be going crazy, you're probably not going crazy. But I asked God for a sign anyway, because I was really troubled. And the very next morning, again, long story short, the universe put a three-part rainbow directly over my house. I had dropped my daughter off at school. I noticed the rainbow on the way home, pulled up in front of my house, stood stood on the curb and looked at it and said, well, that's really pretty. Started to walk in the house and I heard the voice, the capital V voice go, go get your sister. So I went across the street and got my sister because this must be for her. They told me to go get her. And I said, you need to see this rainbow. And she stood on the curb and she took one look at it. And she started crying. And through her tears, she, she said, it, you know, this is for you, don't you? And I said, what, what do you mean? And she goes, look at it. So I said, yes, it's very pretty, and it's right over the house. Yeah, it's very nice. And she goes, no, look at it. And so it was one leg broken by clouds, and then the very arch, and then clouds breaking up the other one. So it was a physical manifestation of the seven, became three, became one, right over my house the day after I asked for a sign. (laughs) So from that day to this, I know that what I'm experiencing is real. Right. And it calmed the fear. Fear will shrink our receptivity. So it narrows our bandwidth. So any time that we're able to move through it or deal with it in whatever way that we need to. And a lot of times courage will take care of that. We, we feel the fear, but we're going to move forward anyway with trust Mm -hmm. and faith that helps keep us open to receiving from spirit. Yeah. So over the years, having these experiences and and being very open and empathic and sensitive to what the universe has to offer you. Have you sort of created a, a way or a method to protect yourself and create boundaries so that it, you're not experiencing all of this all of the time, but you can choose when to experience it and when to not? Um. I have, I would say my boundaries are more with other physical people than they are with non-physical beings because it's not been my experience in general. It's not been my experience to have um, attacks or whatever. I mean, I know people that their whole life is about clearing themselves all the time of whatever. I've not had that. Has it happened? Yes. Do I then address it? Yes. So, but for the most part, as long as we 
consciously maintain our grounding ground from your physical heart to the heart of the planet and then loop that around come back up through your heart with that and then go all the way up through all the dimensions to wherever it is you started who cares the father so your heart to the heart of the mother and then from the heart of the mother up to the heart of the father father and then looping it back around you're in your own energy on every dimension Mm-hmm. And the best energy for you is your own. So the, the, the remedy for potential incursions in your energy field is to be fully present in your body. Because if you're in your vehicle, then nobody else can be. Nothing else can be if you're present. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And so, but it's often hard to do with people that like to be out in the universe, okay? (laughs) It's also very easy to forget. (laughs) Yes. So that's the awareness piece. We just need to stay aware. So if we start out the day in a good mood and we find ourselves kind of either tired or in a bad mood after a a situation we let's say we come out of a shopping center and we're feeling like crap now then it behooves us to take a moment and either shower ourselves with an invisible shower of light or do whatever we need to to clean that out make sure we're reconnected and centered again and then move forward so it's up to us to maintain that yeah. If I if I ever do a show, because like you mentioned Nashville earlier, every, every year I come and do the Galactic Expo. So that's a big show with a lot of people and it's very busy. What the first thing I do when I get home from that is take off whatever clothes that I have on and make sure I take a really thorough shower, physical shower, imagining the shower is light cleaning everything off me. I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to sleep in that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. So you've created some methods for yourself. Yeah. It's spiritual <laughs> hygiene. <laughs> for sure. So the moment of that rainbow um, that you experienced with your sister, um, how did your journey go forward from that point? Um, well, it's been 35 years. I mean, it was, uh, I don't know how many months after that, when I basically made the choice based on a request from the universe to sell my house and my law practice and not to work for anybody but spirit. So I've worked for nobody but spirit for 35 years. And so I've, it's led me from the Pacific Northwest all the way to the Midwest and all kinds of places in between um, to do, for the first 10 years, it was land work with the planet. And then I started engaging with people. So there's been two different chapters, but I feel like I needed to, I needed to get really comfortable with my way of following or my way of connecting before I could help other people discover their unique way to connect. Yeah. And 
do you have uh, a point that you felt like you were ready to do that very specifically that you were like, okay, I, I am feel comfortable that I can lead others now. You know, when they say, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what? I believe the converse is also true because it literally was somebody asking me one day if they could come back to my house and talk spirit. So I was 15 years into my journey living in a little town. Can we come back and talk more about spirit? Well, spirit had been telling me for about almost a month that I was supposed to just say yes, but I didn't know what I was supposed to say yes to, but I knew when this person asked that question, how the words lit up when they came out of her mouth and how she got kind of this halo around her head. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to say yes to, even though I don't feel like I'm ready. So I said, sure. It came out of my mouth before I could stop it. And in my mind, I'm going, what the heck did you just do? But yeah, so for the next year and a half, people drove 50 miles one way every Sunday to come and talk spirit. And I didn't teach them anything. They would ask me questions. And I think I have a library card to the universal database. Because <laughs> sometimes they'd ask me things I didn't know about, but information would just come. So that's how it began. And it eventually evolved into a structured course that someone could take and get a good grasp on how their connection works for them it took about 15 years but yeah yeah and so now you're also doing mediumship yes so how how did you discern uh that from what you were doing with just like talking to people how did you know that you were connecting with people's loved ones well, I was offering a form of spiritual art that I call um, energy field portraits. So I would do a pencil drawing, an actual rendition of the person's face in pencil in the middle of the paper. And then around them in color, notice the message, your physical isn't the real reality, it's the other part. <laughs> in color around them, I would put their past lives, any totem animals, their star world connection, all kinds of different, whatever aspects came to me from their greater field that they needed to see in one place right now. And so I was working on one of these with a, a woman and I had recently asked Spirit, oh, I'd really like to do more healing work because I missed the hands-on healing part of things and I was kind of getting tired of just reading all the time. And so she was sitting there and I was almost done with her portrait and there was a blue section that I was filling in and I became aware of a man with a kind of a square sparkly eyes, smile, dimples, curly hair, just square face. And I thought, oh, he's so sweet, but he's not a past life and he's not a guide. He doesn't feel like a guide. I don't know who this guy is, but I was, it was like a compulsion. So I'm apologizing to her saying, I have to draw this, but I'll draw him in really lightly in blue 
So if you don't know who this person is or how he relates to you, then I can just cover it up and we won't ruin your, your art I just spent two hours on. <laughs> and so I drew the sketch in and I'm apologizing the whole time. And when I turned it around, I said, so like, do you know, she looked at the man's image. It was just a little tiny postage stamp size sketch and started crying. She goes, that's my father. So that's how the spirit world opened up the whole mediumship aspect to me. Was there a message that came? No, but obviously I perceived him. And he came in response to my request. I want to do more healing work. Mm. So I'd been running from mediumship for a while. Yeah. And eventually what happened was um, people started sitting at the table asking me to connect with their loved ones but I don't have the word medium on any of my stuff it's not anywhere and so then I started saying well I'll try but I don't know what I'm doing but don't tell me anything and over the next year and a half or so it started to unfold I started to practice on my own then I had a challenging situation and thought oh i think i might need to get some more understanding about how this works but again it comes back to the whole boundaries thing at this point i didn't know i needed to set boundaries there too okay (laughs) (laughs) so i got a good lesson in boundary setting and decided i'm going to get some formal training and so that's when i started studying with you know people that other mediums know like i did a course with lisa williams and done Thomas John and a year long with Mavis Patilla. And so I did my due diligence and learned what I felt I needed to learn in order to be comfortable with establishing that communication. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. So yeah, following, following spirit, following where you're supposed to be going. And the, the key here is all of these gifts unfolded organically. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to start one thing or another. I just had the intent of what comes next. So once I'd spent enough time working in the field where all the intuitive stuff is, I gained enough strength and understanding with how that felt. That's when the other door opened. Mm-hmm. But it opened without me really saying, I want to do this. I just wanted to I wanted to do more healing work. So be careful what you ask for, because it may not look like what you think it's going to. But some of the most powerful healing work I've done is is communicating on behalf of people living on the other side to their people living here. Yeah. Yeah. So really, really finding a connection to that inner voice that we were talking about earlier. (laughs) Yes. Just following it. My tagline yeah. is live from the inside out. Mm. So I'm always, I'm always in here feeling my way into situations based on how it feels in my physical body. Because that really is where we can f- sense the truth of things. And we only have to know what the next step is. We don't have to know anything beyond what do I need to do next. Mm-hmm. So people now come to you for for healings and readings of mediumship. And you mentioned 
the chakras like opening up and mm-hmm. I, I, I read on your, your website that you're able to attune people to this healing modality. Yes. Do you want to talk more specifically about what that might be? Yes. Um, RET did not have a name until about 10 years ago. I worked with whatever the energy was um, myself, and it evolved over time to where it got to the point where I didn't even have to have the person in the same place with me. And I could, the energy that would move through me would affect whatever change was needed. And then I was starting to get those nudges, attune people to this energy. I said, well, number one, it doesn't have a name. And I have a very strong philosophy that when you label something, how you label it limits its expression. And I didn't want to limit the expression of this energy in any way. So I said to spirit, okay, being very flip as I sometimes can be, if you want me to attune people to this energy, then you're going to have to give me a name that will not be limiting, but will explain what it is. And within 30 minutes came restorative energy technique. Because when they first started running energy and people were asking me to do energy work with them, I was given a set of hand positions that started at the top of the head and they actually, they spiral the energy into the body. Okay, I didn't understand that till many years later, but that's literally, so the energy is spiraled into the body the same way the energy moves in the universe. And so restorative means to put back in the original form. Energy is the mechanism that's doing that and technique is the way in which that happens. And so it's a name that sounds really, really official and concrete, but actually lets the energy do what the energy needs to do. Yeah. And I believe it's probably 5D maybe or higher. I started experimenting with some of my longtime students because I'm a Reiki master teacher. So I've been attuning people to Reiki for 25 years. And so I, I said, okay, I want to attune you to Reiki. And then later I want to attune you in a different way to this. And I want to know if subjectively you can tell the difference. And one of them said, it's like Reiki on steroids. So I thought, okay, so there is something happening. And the other thing that would happen is I could tell that they were starting to flow that energy too. I could feel, I just did uh, the first in residence, the beginning of this year, I brought everybody together in the same location for a period of time to build a container that could concentrate the energy in a a field and have them in that field for the entire time of the residency. And what I found was from the beginning of the time to the end of the time, I wasn't having to work so hard to maintain the energy for them to access. So I knew they were building their own connection. Does that, do you kind of understand what I'm trying to say here? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so yes, I can attune people to this. And so it's become 
an extra add-on to my mission or my purpose because I believe having the capacity to be able to flow healing energy in a strong and focused way is is going to be a benefit to everybody Mm -hmm. either for themselves for their family for other people it doesn't matter so there is now a certification people get a certificate and eventually there will be a website with only certified practitioners on it they showed me so okay so i do offer that yeah twice a year yeah so i i was thinking about like your initial activation within the foothills Mm -hmm. of california um and there was something that you heard and you have described that you've seen invisible things and also are drawing things and so it it seems like like you were able to connect with this in, in a variety of different ways whereas some people might only be able to like see things or hear things but you seem to have a lot of of different aspects of and also feeling things um so do you think that like you have multiple ways of connecting to this and and are are people able to learn how to connect to these things in different ways or are we only attuned mostly to one sort of sentience well here is my position we are all wired the same we are all hardwired the same just as most of us have a particular predominant physical sense we will have and it's usually the same one predominant metaphysical sense as above so below that's one of the principles they gave me so for every one of my physical senses my soul also has an expression of that so most of us are walking around on this planet with half of our senses tied behind our back we're only using our physical ones but we have access to all those other ones the only reason why i'm multi-sensory at this point is because i started paying attention to all of the information that was coming into me and what i noticed was i started out predominantly clairvoyant uh, seeing okay I now rely more on my clairsentience and my claircognizance than I do my clairvoyance. So what I encourage everyone to do is to identify what their strongest physical sense is and know that their strongest non-physical sense is probably the same thing. So everybody that calls themselves an empath is probably strong in in the feeling department. So when they're asking for guidance or information from the universe, they can expect a response that's going to come to them on their strongest physical, metaphysical sense, which would be something in their body like chill bumps or constriction or a feeling of excitement, whatever that is. Here's what I know. Again, everything unfolds organically. So if you focus on developing to its highest level at level one, your, let's say it's clear, it's, let's say it's clear sentience. Okay. Let's just say it's the feeling and you focus on that. Eventually it will get to hundred percent at level one. 
And between usually 80 or 80 to 100%, what's going to happen is you're going to start getting flashes. Maybe you'll see a picture with the feeling, or maybe you'll hear things, or maybe you'll just know things. So you start paying attention to So the second strongest sense will come online. So now you're feeling and seeing, feeling and seeing. And once you're able to process that, now you're feeling, sensing, and hearing. That's how it works. And then you're eventually going to go, wow, look at me. I've got all five senses online and I'm working and I'm doing really good. And I'm going to tell you, with spirit, there is always more. Mm -hmm. So don't stop with level one. Because the more you pay attention to, what's going to happen is each one of those is going to expand to the next ring. My gifts have continued to evolve my gifts. My skill set has continued to evolve over the decades because I pay really close attention to where I am now. And, oh, this is new. I'm feeling things in a, in a more subtle way than I was before. So, yeah. I mean, really, that's the easiest way to do it. I'm no more special than anybody mm -hmm. who's listening to this program right now. I just pay closer attention because I want to. Yeah. The awareness of it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's why the newsletter is called the awareness path. That's because that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm hearing something. Anyway, um, so you, you wrote a book. Yes. That describes all of these experiences that the spiritual transformational experiences is that what you call yes them? yeah and so would you like to talk about your book and and how people can find that and and explore more of your journey yes signals from my soul a spiritual memoir of awakening is going to be out january 7th they'll be able to find it on amazon and barnes and not barnes and noble but they'll be able to get it through their local bookstores um it tells the story all of the stories in the book speak to my experiences as i had them from the level of consciousness as i'm having it and like you said explaining the fear here's the fear here's the confusion here's the doubt here's the what do i do and also I include in there looking back a little like I'm comment, I'm commenting, I'm running a commentary on my own life, okay? Because I want people, no matter where they are in their path, whether they're just waking up, maybe they're just curious, maybe they've been on it a while, or they're seasoned, whatever's, I tried to include something in there for everyone. So there's stories in there about the healing work. There's stories in there about past lives and how spontaneous memories, they're all stored in the physical body. Um, there's following spirit. There's all kinds of stories about how, what happens when you follow spirit and you're getting the impulse to do something and it just doesn't happen. Well, don't give up because if you're, if that's really supposed to happen, trust and believe the opportunity will come in the right time you will be guided if you just let your surrender mm. everybody says it but really we have to let go of the steering wheel we really at the physical level don't know what is best for us hopefully by the end of reading the book a person will come away encouraged and empowered 
to really take some action steps forward on their on their journey. And it has yeah. all the principles in it. Everything that I was taught is in the book. Yeah, and, and find a way to integrate it into yes. their own lives. Yeah. Yes. It doesn't have to be a spirit life or a 3D life. We actually can inter integrate the two. And I feel like that's what we're supposed to be doing. So that's just my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I find that um, sometimes talking about this subject matter, it's it's almost like a Hallmark greeting card. And until you <laughs> actually like it, it, like integrate the principles and like apply yeah. them to your life. Um, <laughs> yeah. I will caution people. It takes effort in the beginning to make and maintain the connection. But the more you practice, the easier it gets until eventually it just becomes how you live your life. You won't have to turn the switch on and off. It'll be on all the time. And the program will either be running in the background or you'll, you'll activate the app and bring it forward on your phone. Mm -hmm. For lack of a better analogy. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like that. Yeah. There is an app for that. <laughs> Yes, there is. And if people mm -hmm. would like to work with you um, for readings or, or mediumship or, or anything, how can they, they be a part of that? They can go to www.juliamarie.us and they'll find information about the academy where I teach the classes and the readings where I help people in whatever way that I can. Excellent. I'll add all of those to the show notes so people Thank can you. click on them really, really easily. Um, I feel like we could talk for a, a long time about this, um, but I feel like we're, we're coming to the end of our time. Um, so I do have one question that I like yes. to ask everyone um, okay. before we wrap up. And that is, if your inner voice had a billboard, what would it say to the world? If my inner voice had a billboard or was a billboard, you mean? Okay. Yeah. What would it say to the world? It would say, this is you too. You can do this. You are this. It would probably be that simple. Yeah. Because I feel like one of the greatest challenges or the greatest obstacles to more people stepping into that part of themselves is they don't think they can. Mm -hmm. But yes, yes, you can. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me and, and sharing all your wisdom. I, I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having me, Whitney. I appreciate it. Yeah. It was great fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or Unconditioning Podcast on Instagram. Thank you so much, and until next time, stay tuned in to you.